Blog Talk Radio. For the next hour, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727. Or you can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pecan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter for again, you can send messages to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgain up in the chat room and uh, we can talk and have a good old time. Great show line for you today. Expected to be joined by former pro wrestler and now yoga star Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, will be joining us today. And he's going to be talking about his yoga. I mean, uh, Diamond Dallas Page and his yoga. And this, and this, you know, DDP yoga, as he calls it, it it's very popular right now and it's shaking up the nation. A lot of people are getting some great, great results from it. I was, you know, looking at his website the other day and you know, a lot of people drop some serious weight after doing this yoga and consistently doing this yoga. So he's doing big things with his yoga and we're gonna to talk to him about some of the big things that he's doing with this yoga. So it should be a lot of fun. I wanna start in the National Football League. Week two of the preseason about to get started today. A lot of, well, four decent football games. I mean, I, I look at the quarterback battles around the National Football League, and, and, you know, two of the big battles happen to be in two of the major markets in the United States, in New York with the Jets and Philadelphia uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. And, you know, week two should be very, very interesting. You'd have to say, after week one, and we're going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. I did play the Carolina Panthers tonight. But when you look at the week one of the preseason, you have to say advantage Michael Vick, but not by a lot. I mean, Nick Foles did play well in his uh, first action against the New England Patriots. Um, he was decent. He let him on a scoring drive. Granted, it was, it was against the second-team defense, but it was a scoring drive nonetheless. And, you know, it was a lot more up-tempo with Nick Foles in the game in comparison to Michael Vick, but Nick Foles got off to a pretty decent start. But Michael Vick, I think, got off to a better start. I mean, he was able to score against the Patriots' first-team defense. Big-time touchdown, 47 yards to Deshaun Jackson. So I have to say at this point, after one week, I have to give the edge to Michael Vick. But, again, not by much. But the reality is tonight it's going to be big. And Chip Kelly is not going to name a quarterback anytime soon. He, he's talking about until he, the moment they start game planning for Washington, the moment he will name himself a, name a starting quarterback. And as far as I'm concerned, <clears throat> I think he should be named the starting quarterback after this particular ball game. I mean, I, I, we all know week three of the NFL preseason, week three is that dress rehearsal. So I'm thinking – this is the time this game is going to be big 
for especially for Nick Foles. I mean, for both of them, really. But it's going to be big for Nick Foles for many reasons. And one reason is he's going to start. He's starting. So can he do what Michael Vick did? Michael Vick came out, quick pass to, to Jason Avon, and then for 19 yards, and boom, 47 yards to Deshaun Jackson. So that was boom, boom, boom. But I think, you know, when it comes to Michael Vick, you want to see if he can do it methodically. You know Michael Vick can get a big play. You know Michael Vick can do that. But you want to see if he can lead a, a long, methodical drive. You want to see also if he protects the football. And that's big when you're talking about Michael Vick, protecting the football. This is a guy who's had a problem protecting the football. The fumbles were an issue a year ago. If he can cut out those fumbles, I mean, the interception numbers aren't awful. You had 10 interceptions last season, but the fumbles were big, 11. 11 fumbles. So you you got to cut that out. If you can cut that out, I don't see why he couldn't be successful, especially in this offense. But one thing, you look at that Philadelphia Eagles team, and you saw in against the New England Patriots, that defense left off, picked up where it left off a year ago. I mean, that defense was awful a year ago, and that defense looks like it could be awful this season. Now it's only preseason, and a new system, Billy Davis, new defensive coordinator, gone, Todd Bowles, gone, Juan Castillo. But this is a new system, so, you know, these guys, there is a learning curve and some new players also playing with each other for the first time. So, you know, chemistry could be an issue at this point. But, again, that defense wasn't good last year, and it wasn't so good last week. Last year they were bad. Last week they were bad. So they picked up where they left off that defense. But I think one thing could be kind of clear with the Eagles especially with this Chip Kelly offense, they're going to be fairly explosive, I think. You know, they have the weapons in, in McCoy and Jackson to to score some points and score a lot of points. I mean, and Michael Vick as well, if he's the starting quarterback. Just these guys are very explosive, home-run-hitting type of players. I mean, we saw it last week with Deshaun Jackson. We saw a home-run Deshaun Jackson for 47 yards. That's what we saw out of Deshaun Jackson. So you look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, this is a home run hitting type of offense, especially when Michael Vick is the quarterback. Big moment here in this quarterback battle of what's going to happen today. <clears throat> like I said, Nick Foles is getting the start. So we'll see what Nick Foles does, and more than likely Nick Foles is going more than likely Michael Vick is going to probably be playing up against the number two defense. Pop probably. Probably. I would be surprised if he gets the number ones, but you never know how the game will play out. But Nick Foles definitely is going to play against the number one defense against the Carolina Panthers. Okay, defense, nothing special. But we're going to see what he can do. Last week he got into the game and immediately he fumbled. He fumbled. But, again, you know, it was bad protection. It was definitely bad protection, and the protection broke down. He really didn't have a, a, a chance there. But the reality is he didn't protect the football. And that's big. you got to protect the football. And Nick Foles, quiet as kept, fumbled the ball a lot last season as well. I mean, uh, Nick Foles has fumbled, the, fumbled about eight times last season. And, and you look at how many games he played. He played seven games. Fumbled eight times. So that's the guy who's putting the ball in the turf and, you know, Michael Vick put it on the turf 11 times. Nick Foles put it on Nick Foles put it on the turf eight times, and Michael Vick played more games than Nick Foles. Nick Foles started six games, played in seven. 
So, and he had eight fumbles. Eight fumbles. Seven games, eight fumbles. Six games that he started. So, we, we, we talk about Michael Vick and the fumbles, and I think in talking about Michael Vick and the fumbles, we forgot about Nick Foles and his fumbles. <clears throat> we forgot about Nick Foles and his fumbles. And he fumbled last week. Fumbled last week, and the thing about it is that could have been easily a tuck roll type of call last week. But, again, the tuck roll is dead and gone, and uh, Al Davis is somewhere rolling in his grave because his Raiders weren't able to benefit. A lot of Raiders players rolling rolling around in their graves, as Charles Barkley likes to say. Uh, and, you know, because obviously if the tuck roll was in effect back in 2001, guess what? The Patriots dynasty may not be what the Patriots dynasty became. So just something to think about. But anyway, anyway, let's get back to the matter at hand. It's going to be a big game for Nick Foles. If Nick Foles can come out and play a big-time football game, play a solid football game, you know, then the pressure goes on to Michael Vick. And I look at it, I think if you're the Eagles, and it all depends on what your objective is. What is your objective in 2013? What is your objective? Is your If your objective, as far as I'm concerned, is, is just to build a program, get better, get, let your young guys get better, let, let this team, just build your program, building the program. Not I mean, obviously you want to win, but winning may not be the big-time objective in 2013 for the Eagles. But I think if it's close, if it's even, and you feel like, you know what, our objective in 2013 is not necessarily to compete, but just to get better, to get better, to, to put this program into place and just get the program started. I look at it and I say, okay, you might want to go young with Nick Foles because, hey, who knows what you have there? You could have a, a star. I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. I don't, I'm, not more, I'm not head over heels about Nick Foles. I, I, I'm just not. But anyway, you might have a big star, but if it's, if it's if Michael Vick takes the job away, I think Michael Vick has to be the starter. And I think if your objective is to try to win in 2013, Michael Vick has to be your starter. I think Michael Vick will be the starter, but I think it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very close. It's going to be very close. And it should be interesting how it plays out. But, again, tonight's going to be a big night. Nick Foles gets to start against the Carolina Panthers. To the Jets. To the Jets now in that quarterback battle. Well, Rex Ryan came out and had some interesting comments about Geno Smith the other night. Uh, he, he basically said he stunk to join up in practice. There were a couple picks in practice. I mean, you know, Geno Smith was bad. He was bad in practice. And, you know, you can come out, Allen Iverson, come on out. We talk about practice. Not a game. We talk about practice. But Rex Ryan said, you know what? Geno Smith had a quote-unquote brutal practice. He didn't practice well. He did not practice well. He had a brutal practice. Granted, he has an injury he's dealing with. He said it was, Rex Ryan said it was brutal in his worst day. <clears throat> it was his worst day. His worst day in practice. His worst day. And that to me tells me that, you know, when it's all said and done, and, and I talked about this last week and I predicted this last week, but when it's all said and done, I think Mark Sanchez is going to get the job. He's going to get the job. 
And, you know, Geno Smith hurting his ankle, that helps. That helps. But I think Mark Sanchez is going to get the job. Now, here's the key thing. He gets the job, but will he hold on to the job throughout the course of the season? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know how he can. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he is good enough to hold this job throughout the course of the season. And I, quite frankly, I don't think the Jets will be good enough for Mark Sanchez to hold the job throughout the course of the season. I just don't think so. I really don't. I really don't. And look at Geno Smith. He may not even play in their next preseason game. And according to Rex Ryan, Geno Smith, is restricted to the stationary bike. And, you know, he's restricted to the stationary bike after his performance yesterday. Rex said, you know what, go to the bike. Go to the bike. You're not. You're obviously not right. Go to the bike and, and try to get right. But, <clears throat> again, I, I look at this whole situation, and I look at this and how this is going to play out. This is Sanchez's job. Mark Sanchez obviously wouldn't be on the Jets if he wasn't guaranteed the amount of money he's guaranteed. If he wasn't getting the type of guarantees that he was get that he's getting, he wouldn't be here. But the, the, the reality is, it was cheaper to keep him. It's like if you're in a bad marriage, and you know what? If I leave this woman, she's going to take half of what I got. You know what? I'm just going to try to deal with this. I'm, I'm going to try to make this work. I may not. Maybe I'll stay out with the guys a few nights here and there. Maybe I'll, I'll work a few extra hours at the job. Maybe I'll do whatever I got to do to stay away from this woman. And, and I think that's what, in a lot of ways, is cheaper to keep Mark Sanchez at this point. Is he good enough for you to win a title? Obviously, no. Is he good enough for you to even make the playoffs? Obviously, I don't think so. Well, he was. I mean, he did put them in the playoffs a couple of years ago. But the thing about it is that defense was so much better than it is now. And Mark Sanchez has never really progressed. He's never really turned into the quarterback that many had hoped he would be. He never became Sanchez. He's always stayed Sanchez. He's never turned into Sanchez. And quite frankly, I don't think he can be Sanchez. I think he will be Sanchez. Not Sanchez. Now, I mean, the numbers have gotten better, of course, over the years. I mean, you look at his first year as a starter, 12 touchdowns, 20 interceptions, a QB rating of 63. But, okay, the following year, QB rating of 75, 17 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a tad better. Interception numbers were down in 2010, touchdown numbers up. We go to 2011, touchdown numbers up, interceptions a little up from 2010, you know, 18 interceptions, whereas he had 13 interceptions in 2010. So in 2011, 18 interceptions, 26 touchdowns, QB rating of 78. Not bad. Then 2012 happened, and he went back to the good old Mark Sanchez. 13 touchdowns, 18 interceptions, 66.9 QB rating. The thing about it is those numbers are not much better than what we saw in 2009. That's not good. And because of that, you get the sense, especially with Geno Smith in the fold, this is probably the last year for Mark Sanchez. And 
probably is the last year for Rex Ryan, especially with the new GM, John Hitzik, in the building. This is probably going to be the last year for Rex, last year for Sanchez. And I think it's going to be a struggle in New York. I don't see the Jets making the playoffs. I think it's going to be a struggle. I think that's what Rex Ryan needs the Jets to make the playoffs if he wants to save his job. If the Jets can get into the playoffs, and in order for that to happen, Sanchez is going to have to go to those 2011 numbers. He's going to have to be that guy. If he wants that to happen, if they want that to happen, that's the only way Rex Rex Ryan keeps his job. If Sanchez make Sanchez and, and the New York Jets offense and the Jets as a whole can find a way to get to the playoffs, that's the only way it can happen. Only way it could happen. Otherwise, no way it can happen. No uh, meaning, no way it could happen in terms of Rex Ryan sticking around, and in terms of Mark Sanchez sticking around. We'll see how that transpires. I want to go to Tom Brady now in the New England Patriots. There was a scare, a scare yesterday. I mean. I'm on Twitter, and I'm looking at Twitter, and I'm seeing, you know, some tweets coming out. Oh, Tom Brady left practice uh, with, a, with a possible knee injury. I'm saying to myself, wow, whoa, whoa, that, that changes things. And guess whose birthday it was yesterday? It was Tim Tebow's birthday yesterday. Tim Tebow's birthday yesterday. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, wow. Is it possible now that Tebow time could be back in full effect in New England? Was that going to be possible? Was that going to happen? Could it happen? Could it really, really happen that Tim Tebow has found a way to get himself back on the football field? Wow. But obviously, Tom Brady is okay. The MRI came back negative. Tom Brady's even talking about playing tomorrow. Not sure if it's a wise idea, even though everything came back negative. I just don't think it is a wise idea. I don't see the upside, the benefit of him playing tomorrow. I I, I don't see how it could benefit anybody. You know what you have in Tom Brady. We saw it last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, if you watched the game. I saw it firsthand. Tom Brady was Tom Brady, Tom Terrific. He was sharp. He he was sharp. It looked like it, it, there was no type of rust whatsoever. He was hitting guys left and right. And Brady, the thing about this guy, like a Peyton Manning, the thing about him, it doesn't matter who his wide receivers are. It doesn't matter. This guy elevates players around him. Troy Brown, David Patton, Jermaine Wiggins. You know, I mean, these are the type of names we Tom Brady's been throwing the ball to. It doesn't matter who he's Deion Branch, who really didn't do anything outside of New England. It doesn't matter who, who. It does not matter who you put in that game as a wide receiver. Whilst Welker is going, put in Danny Amendola. And granted, Danny Amendola does have some talent, does have some ability. His problem is he can't stay healthy. But again, it doesn't matter. The Patriots, as long as Tom Brady is the quarterback, as long as Tom Brady is your quarterback, you always have a legitimate shot. doesn't matter who he's throwing the football to. Julian Edelman, doesn't matter. Danny Amendola. Doesn't matter. Some rookies out there he's throwing the ball to. It does not matter. Tom Brady 
finds a way to elevate all. He finds a way to elevate all, and he has elevated. He's elevated guys in the past, elevated them all the way to a Super Bowl and ultimately a Super Bowl championship. And then he's found a way to elevate these guys. He was, he was picture perfect. Boom, 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 boom. So the reality is, let's just say, for, for argument's sake, that Tim Tebow was hurt. I mean, excuse me, Tom Brady. Let's say Tom Brady was out for the year. Let's say Tom Brady was out for the year. Let's, let's just go on that premise. Do you think Tim Tebow and that New England Patriots offense or that New England Patriots football team as a whole could have the type of success they had with Tom Brady? Could they even make the playoffs? I don't think so. I mean, that, you remember when Tebow was in Denver. You remember. We all remember. And, you know, a part of his success in Denver was that defense. That defense was able to, to keep the Broncos in a lot of football games, was able to keep Tim Tebow, it, it put him in position to, to make big-time plays down the stretch. But the thing about it is, the thing about it is, you look at that New England Patriots team, that defense is not the same defense that he had in Denver. This defense was 29th against the pass. So guess what? You're 29th against the pass. There is a, an opportunity for teams to score points against you. There's an opportunity for teams to score points against you when you're giving up that type of passing, those type of passing numbers. You're going to give up some points. You're going to give up points. So the thing about it is this. Brady is what makes the Patriots a, a contending football team. There's no doubt about it. Brady is what makes the Patriots a playoff team. I mean, you could argue many years or a few years back, they won 10 games with Matt Castle as the starting quarterback. They didn't make the playoffs that year. They did win 10, 10 games. But, again, they didn't win the playoffs. They didn't make, to, make it to the playoffs that year. So let's be clear about that. So, yes, they had success. But at that point, that Patriot defense was a little better than this one. Um, so I, I just don't think – and Tebow, you could argue, is really not as good as Matt Castle. I don't know. Tim Tebow did. Castle led his team to the playoffs one year, too. People forget forget about that with the Chiefs. But Tim Tebow, let's just say he was a starter for the New England Patriots this season. Uh, what kind of success would the Patriots have had? I think that Patriot team would struggle. I, it's just not the same situation. But, again, you look at Tim Tebow, and I'm one who's been on the record as saying that he's just not – uh, a person who could throw the football good enough to be a, quarter, a starting quarterback, an effective starting quarterback in this league long term. But I, I will also say this. I said this before in the past, and I'll reiterate it. And I, if you listen before, this is going to sound pretty redundant. But the reality is Tim Tebow led his, the Denver Broncos, granted, the Denver Broncos backed into the playoffs that season. They backed into the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. They backed into the playoffs. But the thing about it is the Denver Broncos had no business making the playoffs. The Denver Broncos were just about to be involved in the RG3 Andrew Luck sweepstakes. 
They were about to be in that situation. So until Tim Tebow stepped in and, and, and just turned the whole team around, it just was, it was amazing, supernatural in, in some respect. Just, it, it seemed supernatural. Obviously, it probably wasn't supernatural, and that's a stretch, but it was amazing what he did. It was amazing. But the thing about it, he had a pretty good defense in Denver, and, and they did a good job of holding teams. They, they did a good job of holding teams. They held teams. You know, they were, they were, they were in situations where, you know, they, they, that defense kept them in games where Tim Tebow was able to pull the rabbit out of the hat. I mean, you look at some of the ways they won. I mean, Marion Barber against Chicago Bears didn't step out of bounds. You had the, his first game against the Dolphins where they were down throughout the course of that game and they scored a touchdown, get an onside kick get that and put themselves in position to win and ultimately win in overtime. I mean, you just look at it, the list goes on and on. A big 90-plus-yard drive against the Jets where Tim Tebow ran the football in there and put them in position. I mean, the game against the Chiefs where he only completed two passes. One of those passes happened to be a touchdown. And, you know, it, I mean, all those situations, all those games that, that I talk about, you're saying to yourself, it was magical. It was magical. It, was, it, was, it defied any type of logic. It was illogical what we saw. It was illogical what we saw with Tim Tebow. But again, if Tim Tebow were to take over, take over and become the starting quarterback for for the New England Patriots, what would have happened? What would what what would have happened? What would have happened? Would they be in position to get to the playoffs with Tim Tebow as the starting quarterback if he was if he were to be the starting quarterback in New England? Probably not. It defensively, got not good enough. Just not good enough. And and let's be real, Tim Tebow is not Tom Brady. And you know, we're t- when we're talking about Tom Brady, we're talking about maybe the one of the best quarterbacks to ever lace it up, one of the best quarterbacks to ever put a helmet on. So now we're talking about rarefied air. Now now we're talking about, you know, greatest of all time. We can never, ever, ever talk about Tim Tebow in, in that light. I, I don't think we ever will. That's just reality. That just is what it is. That's just life. But I love Tim Tebow. I love his heart. I love how he fights. I love how he battles. I love that he seems to be a genuinely good guy. But, but, there's no way he could lead the Patriots. No way. And, and they could have success. There's no way a Tebow is the starting quarterback. No way they make the playoffs. But that, I was thinking about that. Man, like, wow. When the, you know, I was thinking maybe Tim Tebow would end up being the starter. Maybe. Maybe. And uh, that was one of my first thoughts, actually, and ironically enough. And, you know, obviously if Tom Brady goes down, the Patriots are not going to be the Patriots. And then I was like, wow, this was going to be – it would have been an amazing story. Luckily, Tom Brady is fine. He's healthy. He's ready to go. No problems trying to get in and play on Friday. And, and they're talking about that game, uh, that scrimmage against the Buccaneers 
where, you know, the play happened where Adrian Claiborne knocked the offensive lineman into Brady and just kept going and kept fighting. You know, when when a quarterback puts on that red jersey, they're hands off, can't touch them, can't touch the quarterback. They're not expecting to get hit, and you can't touch them. You can't touch them. Can't touch them. And I, I don't think Adrian Claiborne did anything. I, I think I don't think there was any type of malice whatsoever, uh, whatsoever there. I just think it was a situation Adrian Claiborne, you know, was battling, fighting, and as he said, instincts took over. And you know, when when you're going after the quarterback, you know, you're going and you're going and you're going and you're going. And so he knows you got to stay away from the quarterback. Red jersey means hands off. Red jersey means stop. But again, if you're if you're bull rushing a guy as Adrian Claiborne was doing yesterday, if you're bull rushing and 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 you're trying to get after the quarterback, sometimes it's hard to turn over to turn off those instincts. Sometimes it's hard to to turn it off. You want to keep going and keep going. Your natural instincts is to hit the quarterback. That that's your natural instincts is to hit your quarterback. And again, I don't think I don't think there was any malice whatsoever from Adrian Claiborne. I don't think he had any intentions of hurting Tom Brady. I just think again, his goal was you know when you, when you're when you're playing the game of football and you're practicing and, and you're, you're 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 simulating in some respect. Uh, a rush, and, and it's not necessarily a simulation because he's going at it all the way, but in some respect it is a simulation because you have to stop when you get to the quarterback. You can't sack the quarterback. This is practice. We're talking about practice. Not a game. We're talking about practice. And that's exactly what it was, and that's exactly what it is. And so it could have been it could have been serious. I mean, if if, if Tom Brady was out for the year because of what happened yesterday. Oh, my, my, my. It would be the talk for a long period of time. I mean, we'd be talking about it. And just the, the repercussions in terms of the possibilities of Brady being gone for the year and how much that tra- Vegas stopped what they were doing when when, when they found about when they heard about Brady and his his left his left knee injury, possible left knee injury. I mean, they stopped what they were doing. So everybody stopped. The world, at least in the NFL, stopped on some level when they heard the whole situation with Tom Brady and the possibilities of Tom Brady being gone for the year. That would have been something. That would have been something. The storylines would have been abound from Tebow to, you know, him getting hurt in a practice situation where supposedly there's hands off against the quarterback. No one's not supposed to touch the quarterback. I mean, just the the, the scenarios and the storylines would have been very, very interesting if Tom Brady actually would have went down for the year. And as I said before, it was Tim Tebow's birthday. It was Tim Tebow's birthday. And fortunately, fortunately for uh, for everybody, for everybody, for everybody involved, 
it's a fortunate, a, a great thing that that Tom Brady was able to get up. Very great thing that if that Brady was able to get up, and that Brady was able to walk off, and that Brady was okay. That is a good thing. That is a good thing. But you wonder what would have happened if Brady really was out for the year. That would have been amazing. I want to switch gears now to Donovan McNabb in in RG3 and that whole situation. Donovan McNabb feels that RG3 is is, is brainwashed on some level by the Shanahan's. He's being brainwashed on some level because RG3 won't talk to D-Mac. RG3, Donovan wants to talk to him. Donovan wants to meet with him. Donovan wants to try to help RG3. So he says. But RG3, at this point, and he said at this time, he does not want to talk to Donovan. Nothing against Donovan. Just doesn't want to talk about him. Talk to him at this time. No problem with Donovan. Doesn't think he's stupid. Believes that Donovan has great advice. But he just doesn't want to talk to him at this time. Just doesn't. And, you know, Donovan, been in this league, played 12, 13 years in the National Football League, had a lot of success, a black quarterback just like RG3, a guy that was in Washington, played with the Shanahan's. And Donovan has said, you know what, I'm I'm trying to help him. I want to talk to RG3. I I want to help him. I want him to be the best he can be. I don't want him to to run into any issues, any problems, any situations. I have his best interests at hand. I want to help him. RG3, I'm not ready to talk to you yet, Donovan. I'm good at this time. I'm good at this time. And... I look at this whole situation, and, you know, you look at Donovan McNabb, and, you know, throughout the course of his career, he was very politically correct. He he was a guy that didn't make any waves, didn't make any ripples, and, you know, kept it PC, if, if you will. And, you know, Donovan feels like he can help RG3. And, you know, the thing about it is if, if, if you reach out to a person and a person does not, want, does not want to buy what you have to offer, what you're selling at this point in time, I think you have to respect it. And I think you have to say, you know what, look, he doesn't want my advice at this time. But I think if you're really serious about helping somebody, and Donovan says he is, if you're serious about helping somebody, then guess what? You'll wait till that person is ready to talk. And, again, it's just like if you're in a relationship with your woman, your lady, and there's times, you know, we as men, we don't like to talk. And there's times where, 
you know, a woman said, let's talk. And those are some dreaded words. You don't want to, it's just dreaded words because, you know, you don't want to talk. And But at the same time, if that woman is really down for you and if that woman really cares about you, she'll wait till you're ready to talk if she really wants to help you. If you're not ready to talk, you're just not ready to talk. You're just not ready to talk. And we all know, I mean, Donald McNabb has had his issues with the Shanahan's, Mike and Kyle. He's had his issues with those guys. He has. And, you know, they, they, they called Donovan every name in the book. Said he wasn't physically fit. Basically called him out of shape. Said he didn't really, wasn't really getting the offense. Called him out of shape and essentially, out of shape and essentially stupid. Didn't get the offense. Didn't get the offense at all, Washington, according to those guys. Didn't get the offense. So basically, they called him out of shape. They called him stupid because they said he wasn't getting the offense. And they called and they questioned his work ethic. So essentially, they called him lazy. Three bad things to be called by somebody. Out of shape, lazy, and stupid. And granted, they didn't directly call him that, but... That's what I'm saying. That's basically what they said. They said he was out of shape. You remember that game against the Detroit Lions where during that two-minute drill, they took him out the game, meaning Donovan McNabb, and put Rex Grossman in it. Rex Grossman. Well, Rex Grossman. Yes. Good Rex, bad Rex. That Rex Grossman. Yes. The Rex Grossman that likes to throw the football around. That Rex Grossman. The interception. Guy, the guy, good Rex and bad Rex, that Rex Grossman, that guy, they essentially took Donovan out to put in that guy during a final drive, during a final drive, during a two-minute drill. They took that guy out and put in Rex Grossman. And to me, to me, obviously that's the ultimate slap in the face. At the time, I called it a slap in the face. They were just better off slapping Donovan in the face, doing that to him. But, but, I just think, and and I can't, you know, I can't speak for, for RG3 in terms of why he does not want to talk to Donovan McNabb. I don't know if it's fair to say he's brainwashed, as, as Don, the words Donovan used. I, I don't think that's fair. But what I do think is this. I do think this. As I said before, and I'll say it again. If Donovan is serious about helping RG3 and, 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 and wanting to help him and wanting to make him the best possible person he could be on and off the field, and I think he waits until RG3 is ready to talk to him. RG3, again, as he told GQ Magazine, I don't think Donovan is an idiot by any means, is what Robert Griffin III said. But right now, he says it's probably best. We don't talk. Doesn't believe he's an idiot. Just not ready to talk at this time. He's not an idiot. He he obviously believes that Donovan has some worthwhile things to say, 
He didn't call. He, he said he's not an idiot. So I just think it's a situation. If I just think it's a situation where RG three is just not ready to talk. I'm good right now, Donovan. Respect that. Donovan said, "Quote: I'm just trying to help him, but clearly, young generation thinks they have all the answers, and he's going through a little turmoil right now of trying to get out on the field, and it's unfortunate." But that's where we're at right now as far as these young quarterbacks who think they have all the answers. To me, I don't think that's unnecessary for Donovan. I really don't. I really don't think that's necessary for him to say. Why say that? Why make it seem like he's a know-it-all? That's not necessary. That's unnecessary. Why make it seem like he's a know-it-all? I just think, you know what, RG3 is cool right now. I don't want to talk to you, man. I'm okay. I just don't want to talk to you right now. I just don't want to talk to you. I'm good. And I don't think Donovan's comments were necessary. I don't think his him saying all these things was necessary. And he went on to say, as I said before, I honestly think that over there in Washington, he's getting brainwashed. Now, I mean, that's that's a tough thing to say. You know what I mean? Somebody's getting a, getting brainwashed. I mean, this is some grown man here in RG3. You're saying a grown man is getting brainwashed. It's not a, it's not a teenager. Not a two-year-old. He's saying that RG3 is getting brainwashed. Again, unnecessary for you to say, Donovan. Unnecessary. Now, and let's just, I mean, you say you have something to offer, RG3. You, you say you can help RG3. You said you can help him. That's, those are your words. You can help him. You can help RG3. Okay? I get that. But if you're RG3, at this point, do you still want to go to Donovan? For any of his advice, he's saying you're being brainwashed. He's saying essentially that young people don't listen. I mean, he's he's saying all these things, all these things about RG3. If you're Robert Griffin III, would you want to talk to Donovan McNabb at this point? Would you want to buy whatever he has to sell? Do you want to buy whatever RG3, I mean, excuse me, whatever Donovan McNabb has to sell? You don't. You don't want to buy it. You don't want to buy it. And I wouldn't be, if I'm RG3, I wouldn't be receptive to Donovan at this point. If anything, I'd be a little salty at Donovan. I would be a little angry at Donovan. I'd be a little upset. At Donovan McNabb. Because the, re- the reality is this. Donovan says he can help him. But Donovan's essentially calling him hard-headed. Basically saying, you know, he's a know-it-all. He's a young guy who knows it all. He's an, a, a young guy who knows it all. And, uh, he knows it all. 
He knows it all. So he's not receptive to his advice. I, I just look at it again. If he's not prepared to talk to you, he's just not ready to talk to you. Respect it. Respect it. That's it. Just respect it. I mean, it is what it is. Respect it. If he's not, if he's not receptive to talking to you, you just have to deal with it. It may not feel good because, again, you feel like you have great things to say to him, but you know what? He's entitled to that. He's entitled to say he does not want to talk to you. He's entitled to do that. He's entitled to do that. He's entitled to say, I'm not ready to talk to you, man. And so, you know what? If he's getting brainwashed, maybe he is. If he believes he knows it all, maybe he does. But the thing about it is, I'll reiterate this point. If I have something good to say to you, and you're not ready to hear it at this time, okay, I'll take it in stride. But when you're ready, I'm here for you. When, when, when you're ready, I'm ready to talk to you. I'm ready to help you. I'm ready to make you be or help you be the best you can be. I'm willing to do that. I have no problems doing that for you. I'm here for you, RG3. I'm here for you, Robert. Well, Donovan had to say, I think his, his extra comments were, were, as far as I'm concerned, unnecessary. I mean, it, it, it's just, and again, I know, he, you know, he's on talk radio, and, you know, we, we you have to tell it like it is. You have to, you know, sometimes you have to make waves, and, and maybe he feels like he has to make a wave. Maybe he feels like he has to do something to, to uh, you know, get some excitement going his way. You know, this was the total opposite of what he was as a player. He was totally different as a player. He was PC. He was PC as a player. He was PC as a player. Now, he's he's causing drama. I don't want to call it drama because it's really not drama all like that. But the, the thing about it is, as I said before, you don't want your advice right now, Donovan. When he's ready to have your advice, he'll take your advice. And, and I think you just leave it at that. Again, it may not feel good to to be shunned by RG3, but again, he he didn't say he would not talk to you. He just said, but right now, it's probably best we don't talk, as he told GQ Magazine. It's best that we don't talk. I don't think Donovan is an idiot by any means. But right now, it's best we don't talk. And I, I respect that. I think Donovan should respect that. And I think by you, meaning Donovan, adding different comments and, and adding on, totally unnecessary. And you may have – he might not even want to talk to you moving forward, and I can't blame him for that. I want to go to Johnny Manziel, and it, it's starting to look more and more like old Johnny may not be playing this season. I mean, three people – coming out and, and saying that he signed autographs, you know, for money. As far as I'm concerned, you look at this whole Johnny Manziel thing, and 
it, it, all this stuff is coming out. And again, again, if he signed, you know, maybe thousands of of articles, if he signed these things, more often than not, you're probably not signing these things for free. You don't. People don't sign these things for free. I mean, I understand. You know, it is his autograph. I mean, he, you would think in theory he would be in control of his likeness, be in control of, of him. I mean, four, there, there are reports that he may have signed over 4,000 items in one month, 4,400 signings in one month. He's busy. He's busy. And, you know, he's a kid that comes from affluence. He comes from an affluent background. So, uh, theoretically, you know, he doesn't necessarily need the money. He doesn't need the money. I mean, I, I can see if he was broke, destitute, trying to sign autographs to pay his mama's rent. Trying to pay, trying to sign autographs to to keep the lights on. I get that, but I don't think this is the case with Johnny Menzel. We'll get back to that. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. And we're back. We're going to be joined shortly now by Diamond Dallas Page, DDP. And this is a guy, as I said at the beginning of the show, who's doing some big-time things with his yoga, DDP Yoga. And, you know, DDP Yoga is is really doing some big-time things around the country and doing some big-time big time things, excuse me, for people. You know, helping people lose the weight, helping people to become better people. And, you know, and that's always a good thing. And DDP is doing that. And we're going to bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. Former pro wrestling star, yoga star, Diamond Dallas Page. Dallas. Yo. Yo. How are you, sir? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me good? You, you could be a little better. Well, you want to, so you want to call me out on my other phone? Uh, yeah, let's just, uh, we'll, we'll. I want, I want to make sure you can hear me. And it doesn't, it I, got, like I got you now. We're good. We're good now. 
We're good now. All right, you sure? Okay. Yeah, we're good. Okay. And, and let's start it off right. right now, Dallas. I mean, you're doing some amazing things around the country with DDP Yoga. And, and I was reading that you thought at first yoga was kind of girly. What drew you to yoga? <laughs> Necessity. <laughs> first 42 years of my life, I'm a guy who wouldn't be caught dead doing yoga. You know, it's just the, <laughs> the way my mind worked. Uh, you have to understand, though, I didn't start wrestling until I was 35 years old, and my career did not take off until I was 40, 40 years old. That was in 1996, and that's when wrestling blew through the roof. And right. uh, I was lucky to be on the, on the crest of that tsunami. And uh, 97 and 98, I was rated number four wrestler in the world, according to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And then I blew my back out so badly that three different doctors told me I'd never wrestle again. So wow. uh, I try I try anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so uh, that's how it came to me. Now, you do yoga a little differently. And I tried yoga one time. Bored out of my mind. Bored out of my mind. Never did it again. You, you do you do yoga a little differently. Take us through a typical DDP yoga session. Well, for starters, I never call it yoga because okay. that puts me in a box. With all, with all the yoga you're used to doing, that's what you think it is. And mine don't even – it's on the other side of the planet. And the only reason it is, for starters, I didn't just – stop with learning how to do yoga to heal my body. I combined the yoga moves, the yoga positions. I don't call them poses or postures. I'm an athlete. I play a position. I get in a position. Uh, I mix them with rehab, rehabilitation techniques. I rehab both my shoulders from surgeries, both my knees from surgeries, so I know a little bit about rehabilitation, but I also know a lot about breaking up scar tissue that forms after the uh, you know, surgeries or after the injuries. So um, I combined yoga with the rehabilitation techniques, and then I added old-school calisthenics, push-ups, squats, crunches. But I, had a, I moved with a slow-burn motion movement. And when you move slowly as opposed to quickly, you, right. you have to use more muscles. And every time you move, use a muscle, you have to flex or engage that muscle. And what okay. I found, every time you flex or engage a muscle, your heart has to beat faster to get the blood to the muscle. Hence, you end up in the fat-burning zone literally standing still. I'm going to prove it to you how you can raise your heart rate up talking to you right now, and anybody listening to this show, I want you to do it. Do it right with me as you're as I'm walking you through this, and you'll see, oh, my God, how is that possible? So here's the deal. I call it dynamic resistance. All I want you okay. to do is put, put your thumb and index fingers together, like you're making the diamond cutter sign, right? Okay. Okay? So you push yeah. your thumb and index fingers together now. Now, with your thumb and index fingers together, just open your fingers. Open your fingers so they're not pushed against each other. Okay. Now, keep your fingers apart and push your thumb and your index fingers against each other really hard. 
Okay. Notice how your forearm, notice how the inside of your forearm, your bicep and your pectoral muscles all have to engage. Can you feel that? Yeah, I feel a burn. I feel a little sensation. Okay. Now, take it a step farther with me. Keep doing that, but straighten your arms. But keep pushing your thumbs and your fingers against each other. Now, pull your pinkies away from your thumbs. And I mean literally pull them away so now your hand is engaged. The outside of your forearm, your tricep, your deltoid, and if you really push, your traps, your your lats will be engaged as well. Now, I want you to lift your arms up, but don't just lift them up like you're lifting your arms to the heavens so the universe smiles back at you. I don't do that. (laughs) What I want you to do is push those thumb and index fingers together, pull your pinkies away. Now move your hands up towards the air, up towards your ceiling, but create your own resistance as if you're moving through clay. And when you get as far back as you can, bring your arms out to a T on the side of the cross and clench your fists really tight and give me that crab shot. Hulk it up. Roll your shoulders in. Pull your biceps towards each other. Pull your fist in. Now, attention, fingers open. Shoulders back. Chest out. At ease. That's how uh, you're starting to sweat already. I do have a sweat. I, I, I really do have a sweat. I really do have and a sweat. And you've done nothing. And you've done nothing. <laughs> I didn't even get out of my chair. That's what I'm saying. That's a, what I figured out. When I all my movements are to you wear a heart rate monitor. So if you go to ddpyoga.com, you'll see a disabled veteran. Did you ever see the video of the disabled veteran going to help walk again? Have you ever seen that? Yes, I saw that. I saw that. It's amazing. Well, that's, Absolutely said, amazing. Anybody, what did you think when you saw that video? I, I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was impossible. So let's go the other way with it. Since it was possible, it might make you think anything's possible. True. Very true. Right. Very That's, true. So there's one way to look at it. I thought that was impossible. Or you look at it from the other skew, wow, that shows, wow, anything's possible. And if you want to That's see what I'm talking say. about, just listen a minute. Just go to ddpyoga.com. On ddpyoga.com, the first thing you're going to see is that video. And when it right. comes up, it's going to emotionally take you on a journey of a guy who was 47 at the time, five foot six, 297 pounds. He could not walk. Disabled veteran. He was a paratrooper. The paratroopers drop 10 to 15 feet a second. Depending on who they are, they are carrying anywhere between 50 minimum or two up to 200 pounds of weight on their backs or between their legs. So when they hit the ground, I want you to look up at your ceiling and know that's probably eight, maybe 10 feet. When your body comes from the ceiling to the floor, it's hitting the ground with an extra right. 50 to 200 pounds. The wear and tear on your body is dramatic. If you do 30 to 40 jumps, 20 to 30 jumps in your career, your body's going to be beat to hell. Arthur right. Borman, disabled veteran, five foot six, 297, who could not walk without the, the, without the assistance of knee braces, back braces, a- 
man wrap around canes, he had well over 500 jumps. He had not wow. walked without the assistance of knee braces, back braces, and canes for over 15 years. At the wow. end of 10 months, 10 months, this is all documented, all on YouTube, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. It's all documented on YouTube. In 10 months, he loses 140 pounds, but more incredible, more dramatic, more amazing. He loses the knee braces, the back brace, and the wraparound canes, and is wow. running. And, so, and that's the when thing. You say you mean, when you say I, I look at your, I look. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. DDP Yoga, definitely dot com. No, no, when you say to me, what is DDP yoga, okay, watch that mm-hmm. video <laughs> on ddpyoga.com. <laughs> it shows anything possible. That's what DDP yoga is. And, and I look at that, and I, and I see all those success stories, man, and I hear the, the, you know, the amount of emotion in your voice. This really has to make you feel good. It, it makes you feel like you're making a big-time difference. Well, you know, Arthur was the first major, major um, transformation, you know, that I, I was a part of. And, and remember, I, Diamond Dallas Page, CEO of DDP Yoga, I am merely a guide. I'm not, you know, I didn't do the work. I don't take credit for anything that anyone does. I just guided them. I know how to teach you how to eat real food, which makes all the difference in the world on how people feel physically, how they feel. Because if your body feels like garbage, well, then you start right. to think like garbage. Right. you got to feel good physically to feel good mentally. It's just a no-brainer. And once I get you feeling good mentally, well, then you give you a workout that's not too hard. During the workout, I tell people, first of all, DDP yoga can be the easiest thing as far as working out that you've mm-hmm. ever done. But it can also be right. the most challenging thing you ever saw. And it <laughs> can be within the same exact workout. The other day at my house, uh, HBO, uh, Real Sports came to my house and filmed for two, for two days, two straight days, 12-hour days. They filmed us doing DDP yoga workouts. They filmed us uh, uh, private um, conversations. That was Frank DeFord, who's uh, one of the greatest interviewers ever, what a great guy. Mm-hmm. He interviewed me, Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake Roberts. They interviewed Scott mm-hmm. Hall. They uh, interviewed us as a whole. They went out and got footage of us doing different things. Um, They wanted to know about what I call the accountability crib, which is where I live. And they wanted to know what what was so, what what made DDP so different. And and they got they got they got the whole deal. So if anybody wants to know more about it, it'll be on uh, Real Sports, HBO Real Sports, on August twentieth. But you hear me talking about my program. And DDP Yoga is kick-ass cardio, which will dramatically increase your flexibility and your core strength. But here's the kicker. 
with minimal joint impact. In other words, it doesn't beat your body up. It helps right, heal right. your body, you know, while you create flexibility. And the whole deal is with, with my workout is that it can help you not only change your life, but own your life. You know, it isn't about, right. hey, look at my ass. It's about, hey, look at my life. Right. Definitely. Definitely. We're talking to yoga extraordinaire, former pro wrestler, Diamond Dallas Page. And, and, and you talked about the accountability crib, which is in Atlanta, where, where you guys have, where you, where you have guys like Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake, and, and Scott Hall. What was the motivation behind it? Well, more than anything, I was looking for a place to uh, that I could um, come back to in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, because I really loved living here while I was during my wrestling career. Because you know I worked for Ted Turner for right. 13 years, and uh, and it's a great home base here in Atlanta. Easy to fly in and fly out of. But my, my my a lot of my people were here. People I knew. I lived here for 13 years, and when I decided to find another place up here, Jake. Roberts was um been well documented, you know, he's, he was mm-hmm. going through a really tough time with you know, not just cocaine but crack and uh, booze and pills and the whole deal. And since getting here, um Jake has not only been eleven uh, coming up on eleven months, it was ten months, ten or eleven months, I'm not sure crack and cocaine free. Um wow. in the last I guess in the last Four months, he is uh, completely free of painkillers, which I didn't know if he could ever do. And mm-hmm. I don't mean taking him as a sport, because he did take him as a sport for years. But, I mean, once you get off him, off him, like, wow, I, I was blown away. Um, and he's been uh, booze-free, I would say, out of the ten months. He, there's four days that he slipped and drank. Uh, the last one was about 45 days ago, and since then, okay. you know, I told him, I said, Jake, if you drink again, and it's just that, you know, like he just snuck some booze. It wasn't like he would not drink and partying. He just said, mm-hmm. I'm a man. I can drink. It's like, Jake, you prove that you're a man when you don't drink. Because True. for him, it's not a good thing. Because some people can drink all they want. Like, I'm a guy who can drink booze. You know, Scott Hall, not one of those guys, you know, um, and he'll be the first to tell you. <laughs> you know, uh, Jake <laughs> Roberts is not one of those guys. And I think right. after after 11 different rehabs, you know, I believe that Jake, because it, it, it's, he, has, he has more than light at the end of the tunnel. He's got goals. He's got dreams. He's got his right. family, you know, most of his family back. You know, and that's what happens when people get lost in the sauce, as I call it. You know, I grew up in the nightclub business, so I promoted drinking and partying. But, I, you know, there was times where I started to get lost in the sauce myself, and I thought to myself, well, you can go down the path your father did, you know, but I'll take control of it, as opposed to letting him take control of me. But now if I drink, it might be, you know, once every seven to ten days, and I might have, you know, a couple glasses of wine or some, you know, margaritas, but I only have a few. You know, I catch that little buzz that's all I need, I'm done. I don't let, I don't let the <laughs> booze, I never let the drugs, I never let the pills own me. You know, the one of the reasons, you know, one of the things about starting to be a wrestler at 35 
you know, and the first time, you know, if you're, you know, I was 36 when I, I'd taken, like, two Percocets because my back was hurting me and, uh, and a couple shots of tequila and a couple beers. I was like, whoa, that's, mm. a, that's a unique buzz. I remember <laughs> I was in Steve Austin. He goes, he looked at me, he goes, you got to watch it, dude. He goes, that, that, that'll creep up on you. And I just thought to myself, that was such a good buzz. I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to mix the alcohol with the pills, mainly because then you got to take more pills. Like, I can remember right. being with Jake Roberts one back in, I'm talking about like 92, and maybe it was 93, um, and I was 92. Um, and I looked at him, and he put a Percocet in his mouth, and he started chewing on it. I go, dude, what are you doing chewing those things? They taste like garbage. He's like, hey, he goes, he goes right in your system. I go, how many is that anyway? And he said, ten. <laughs> wow. Ten. Wow. I knew guys who tiny perks in my night. I knew a guy who, took, I, knew, I knew guys who take 50, who have taken 50 somas, my little relaxers. Wow. You know, uh, and, and a lot of those guys ain't around anymore. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is, you know, as a pro wrestler, you guys were you spend most of your time on the road, and you're taking some hard falls in that ring. A lot of people don't know that about you guys, but you guys, I mean, yes, it's entertainment, but I mean, there is a physical price to pay in pro wrestling. Well, there's a physical price to play in everything from when I say everything, I mean any kind of action, football. Stunt man, you know, movies, right. all those stunts are so beat up. You know, it, it all rings true with professional wrestling. The one thing that rings the truest is you can't fake gravity. You know, gravity is a mother. You know, people right. kick your ass. And, uh, you know, there's only so many falls that you can take. And uh, I took a lot of them. And if anybody looks on YouTube, and there, I can't even imagine how many DDP tribute videos there are on YouTube. You know, up there, I'm sorry, I love that those kids did that. So I can watch that now and go, wow, that was a hell of a ride. But all those bumps, all those bumps that I took, they were all in my 40s. You right, know, that's 41. You know, like one of the things I didn't say in the beginning, you know, at 42, the doctor said my wrestling career was over. In less than three months, with what is now DDP Yoga, I was back in the ring in less than three months. At 42 years old, the doctor said I was done. They were wrong. At 43 years young, I was crowned heavyweight champion of the world. And again, this is a sport entertainment that is predetermined, but not getting that world title. That's all about, that's like our Oscar. You know, that's like okay. our Emmy. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> right. Now, you talked about the accountability house and some of the things that goes on there. Where do you see this accountability house in five years? Where do you see it five years from now? Does it get bigger? Oh, you know, do you I, add more people? No. No, I just call, you know, when, when Jake got here with me, and after the first week, you know, after his 10 days, you know, he came back, you know, on the plane all effed up, you know. Right. And I was like, that that ain't happening. That ain't, I'm not doing that. 
it's like I actually reached out to my people on Team DDP Yoga. And I said, okay, guys, I'm looking for a name for my place. You know, and uh, one of my, um, I remember this girl named Christine. She she wrote, uh, what about DDP's accountability crib? Because I was making Jake accountable for everything. But it wasn't just Jake. We got a lot of people here. And, you know, Scott came in, but Scott's already moved out. You know, Scotty's here tonight because we're, uh, we were just doing. We were talking about some things we shot for HBO, and we talked about some. You know, he worked out right. with me today, but he lived a mile from here. So the accountability crib is pretty much everybody. You know, I just I had a woman who I'd been with for a while here. Uh, she moved in with me, you know, and her and her two kids. And, uh, and Uncle Jake is still here. My other daughter's here, you know. But everybody's right. accountable for their action, you know. And uh, I got my, you know, I got my business around it. We do a lot of work out of here. We do a lot of filming out of here. Everybody, you know, from what you eat to how you work out to, it's just to me, everybody needs to be held accountable, including myself. You know, right. everyone. So uh, who, who, holds you who, who holds um, you accountable? Who holds you up? Who do you go to to hold you up? Not only I do, I do. I believe me, I'm pretty hard on myself. But I let anybody, like when Scotty was here, uh, right before he left, you know, he had a big meeting with everybody and started busting my chops about, you know, one of my doctors, he's a applied kinesiologist and uh, he's, a, he's a healer. And he's like, Dee, you do too many things. You're on the phone, talking to TV, watching TV while you're working on the computer and you're eating. You're doing five things at one time. You need to take you need to freaking take a break and just right. eat the food. Like no bad food in my house. There's no genetically modified food. There's no BS, you know, beef that's raised on corn that's laced with pesticides. I mean, <laughs> uh, we eat here the way your great great grandparents ate, and all that means right. is it's what God created. Like cows eat grass. Grass. It's what the cow eats so that he makes, you know, what, you know his digestive system says going to be really good meat that you can eat. That's, you know, basically, back in the old days, there was no such thing as organic. You know, it was just, <laughs> everything was organic. But all the <laughs> pesticides, you know, and, you know, 90% of the beef that is out there that people eat, is is raised on these huge farms. Everybody should watch the movie Food Inc. And you'll see how you think there's hundreds of thousands of meat companies. There's four. Mm. One, two, three, four. And the beef is fed corn. The corn is genetically modified, which means they change the genetic structure of the corn seed cell, the DNA, because they don't want the pests. They don't want the insects being able to eat the corn. So what they did is they put a pesticide in the kernel of corn. I am not making this up. There's a pesticide. So much so, look up under the EPA and corn. And watch what comes up on Google, and you will see that that corn kernel is registered with the EPA as a pesticide. Wow. That's what they feed the cows. 
Cats weren't supposed to eat corn, never mind pesticide corn. They're supposed to eat grass. <laughs> but you can't find grass-fed cow. You, you're laughing. But you ain't eating grass-fed cow in a long time. You're right. Like in you're right. years. I know. Believe me. I know I'm right. Because I go out and buy it from, instead of paying ridiculous money at, at Whole Foods, because you'll see step one and step four. You don't have any steps in any supermarkets because it's all garbage. Mm. I don't care how good it is. USDA, Angus, bullshit. I'm just telling you, you want real meat, you can get it at Whole Foods, step four, that means the cow was actually raised on a farm and died on the farm that ate grass and was never injected a steroid or a hormone. Anything under uh, step right. four has been. So this is what I'm saying. In my house, none of that food exists, only the real shit, period. Right. And that's why people's and, bodies heal. You're right. I mean, it, it is a sad thing what has happened to, the, to to American food. But, I mean, it's a good thing that you're you're doing what you have to do and, and you're promoting and, and putting it out there, what you have to do to, to get the necessary food to be healthy and you're healthy you're in your 50s right now man could you still do a diamond cutter to someone i just did one freaking three weeks ago i don't okay. wrestle anymore but i'll show up and hit somebody with a diamond cutter a wrestling show and i don't you know i don't do it for the money i make great money when i do that but i don't do it for the money i do it to show people where ddp is at right now Okay. 57 years young. Go to ddpyoga.com, and on the top there, you'll have the yoga tab that goes across the top. Go to the tab that says DDP Yoga on TV, and when you run the mouse across that, it'll say DDP at 57 years young. Click that tab and pull up the videos. That's after you watch Disabled Veteran, because anything I'm about to show you pales in comparison to that disabled veteran and the transformation he goes over. But one of the things I just did January 6th, because I film everything on YouTube now. Anytime I'm going to do anything that's that, that's going to be uh, Jack Willane-ish, let's call it. Jack Willane would always do some spectacular thing on his birthday. I haven't made it my birthday yet, but I'm about to just do it on my birthday, do something really, really off the wall. But, um, I, on January 6th, do you know what a superhero push-up is? I don't, no. Okay. All right, what you do is you go into a push-up position and lower your body to the ground. After listening at home, try it. Go, go into push-up position and just lower to the ground. Now your whole body's on the ground. Now stretch your arms in front of you as if you are Superman. Not Clark Kent, but Superman. Now pick your <laughs> hands off the ground and soar like Superman. Now pick your feet off the ground. Now bring your hands back to the ground, but don't bend your elbows. Push your toes into the ground and lift your entire body off the ground eight inches. And then that, that lower to the awesome. ground again. That and then lower awesome. to the ground. Yeah, it's, it's, it's extreme. I would say probably 99.9% .9 of your listeners Ain't got a prayer doing it. I'm 50. <laughs> judging by, judging by the way you're explaining it, you're right. 
I'm 57. Yeah, you're right. It does. I, I don't know. I'm, see, I don't see a lot of people doing it. I really don't. I wrestled from 35 to 49. I'm 57. If you go on ddpyoga.com, you go to the tab DDP Yoga on TV. You run the mouse over the section that says DDP at 57 years young. On the video of the superhero push-ups, you'll watch me do 50 of them. Wow. Wow. That's, that's called real food and a workout that's minimal joint impact. Minimal impact on your joints, yet it's kick-ass cardio. It will dramatically increase your flexibility and your core strength at a whole nother level. It can help people who are broken and beaten up. It can help people who want to lose weight. I have a guy named Slim Gilliam. He started about, about 13, almost 14 months ago. At the end of his first 12 months, he started at 601 pounds. At the end of one year, he was down 203 pounds. But more importantly, he could stand on one leg. I've got pictures of this, videos of this. While he grabs his other leg and sticks it over his head and holds it there. Wow. And he can do it on either side at 398 pounds. Slim is going to really rock the world in about another year, year and a half. Because this isn't a sprint. It's, you know, it's, it's a marathon. And Slim's going to, you know, he's an incredibly inspiring person. If you want to read any of his blogs, go to thenext40days.com, thenext40days.com. Got a woman named Stacey Morris, started at 345 pounds. In 18 months, she lost 185 pounds. She's a beautiful, striking blonde. You can follow her blogs at stacymorris.com. Both of those blogs are amazingly inspiring. Um, the, you know, the workout isn't about weight loss. It isn't about just healing your body. It's for people who want to take their golf game. And I got a guy who's increased his drive from 230 to 290. You know, wow. I got you know, athletes, over, over 40 wrestlers in the WWE alone do DDP yoga. So. Wow. It, 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 it's it's all about your help. I got a roll band, so I got to go to the next deal I have to do. But it's a pleasure to talk to anybody out there. Anybody out there who's looking not only to change your life, but to own your life, go to ddpyoga.com. Watch the video of Disabled Veteran right there. Find a program that you want to invest in that works for you financially. If you're questioning it, you want to think about it, Go to Facebook, DDP Yoga, one word. Don't listen to a word I've said this entire time. Just read what people write. Back in the day when I was on top of the world, you can't make people chant DDP, DDP, DDP. You can't make them do that. But I walked out to 20,000 people doing it. You can't Definitely. make people write one person after another on Facebook. You just can't make that happen. 
people writing these amazing reviews about this workout that's not only healing their body, but strengthening and making them, because it's a whole lifestyle. It's not just the workout. It's how you eat. It's how you think. It's a positive attitude. We just started, I'll leave this last thing. I got a roll. We started a contest. We are looking for people who want to be inspiring. We are looking for the three most inspiring blogs this year. In one, I think about a month and a half away, we started it about a month and a half ago. The first three months, we are looking for who's got the most inspiring blog. And in September, next month, we will be giving that person $5,000. We will be giving another person at the end of the six months uh, in um, December. We'll be giving someone another $5,000. And then in June, which will make it a year, we'll be giving someone else another $5,000. Wow. And then we're going to take those three people and look at what they did over that year. And not just losing weight or any of that. We're looking how are you inspiring others? What are you writing? What are you putting up on your videos, on your blog? What, are you, what pictures are you showing? What are you writing about? What are, what's making people follow you? Like one of the guys that we're watching is the next 40 days, the next 40 days.com. Another one is um, Rob versus DDP Yoga. That's another blog we're following. Another one, uh, God, there's so many of them out there. But whoever these people are, out of those three winners, whoever they are, we're going to give one of those winners an additional 10000 bucks. Total wow. 25000 We showed up at Arthur Borman's store about two months ago. I had two checks, one for 5000 one for 20000 The 5000 was for his kid, Warren, because he did all the video. He did all the editing for his dad. His dad put all the work in. And when I got there with the checks, he was dumbfounded. He's got to go wow. to ddpyogachallenge.com. That's ddpyogachallenge.com. Dot com to watch that video of Arthur and us giving him that money. I mean, it's priceless. But if you haven't seen the video, the first one coming up on 10 million views, go to ddpyoga.com, check it out. Brother, thanks for having me Dallas, on. It's been your Dallas, time. definitely was a pleasure having you, man. you got a great, great story. Let's do this again. You got it, buddy. Have a great day, man. See ya. Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, it, 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 we we couldn't. I mean, the guy had a great story here, and then some of the stories he was telling was just tremendous stories about his his days in the wrestling world and everything. We we couldn't stop him. It was just the stories were just too too great. <clears throat> very very interesting story. And as he said, go to ddpyoga.com. Check it out. Johnny Menzel, the whole situation with Johnny. I mean, he's signing a lot of autographs, and the reality is it doesn't look good. I mean, I would be surprised if Johnny Menzel will be playing football for the Texas A&M Aggies this season. This is a guy, obviously, obviously that signed some autographs for money. I mean, I think it's become very evident, it's become very obvious that Johnny Menzel, when it's all said and done, has signed autographs for money. Reality is, if maybe if you're you're the NCAA, if you're – Texas A&M, you find a way to get him on the field this year and just deal with the penalties later on. I mean, just try to get him on the field, do what you got to do to get him on the field. And, you know, if it comes out that he 
did what he's been alleged to do, then he's did what he's alleged to do, and it is what it is at this point. So I, I, I just think, you know, obviously Johnny Menzel did something that wasn't right. It's obvious that he's doing something that wasn't right in terms of the rules. If you want to talk about other things, obviously it is right. But in terms of NCAA rules, it's wrong. But it's right. But it's just wrong because of the rules. But it's definitely right. I mean, this is his likeness. This is his name. He should be able to sign where he wants to sign, how he wants to sign, and who he wants to sign sign it for. I mean, you, you know, and again, granted, you could call this, Cause his greed because the reality is Johnny Menzel has a lot of money. His parents come from he comes from a lot of money. His parents have a lot of money. So you look at this whole situation with Johnny Menzel and everything, and obviously this is greed. And you know the, the thing about greed is sometimes greed makes you do some bad things. And, and obviously he's doing some bad things. I, I'm not bad things. He broke the rules. It's not bad. He broke the rules because he signed autographs. His autograph, his signature, his name. But the thing is, rules prohibit that from happening. And again, it's not bad. It's just he broke the rules. Not bad, but he broke the rules. And that's what happened with Johnny Manziel. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But I I don't think he'll be playing this year. I don't think he will be. I don't know how you can get him on the field with all these allegations hanging over his head. I want to thank Diamond Dallas Page. Make sure you go to ddpyoga.com. I mean, this is a, a system that transformed his, his life, transforming lives of people around the country. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this great show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at goforitgant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash go for again where you can listen to some great interviews that we've had on this show from the past three years that we've been on. Again, blogtalkradio.com slash again, where you can listen to this show and other great shows, youtube.com slash user slash go for again, where you can hear some interviews that we had from years past. For everybody here at Go For It, we hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.